Good morning, everyone. Sure is good to see everyone this morning. Whether you're here with me in the room or we're together online, I'm just glad we're together. Amen? Uh, before we jump into God's Word, I would love to pray together. So let's, let's do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We have so much to be thankful for today as we're gathered here. God, uh, we are thankful for all those who... Uh, have served in our armed services. God, as we think about Veterans Day that our nation just celebrated, Lord, we pause to give honor where honor is due, Lord. We pause to say thank you for those who have embodied the virtues of service and sacrifice that uh, are so familiar to you that you've taught us as your followers to embody. Lord, we thank you that those virtues can be lifted up in our culture through that day. And uh, we thank you for everyone who has served to protect our freedoms, including the one we're enjoying right now, the freedom to worship you and to gather and open your word. We appreciate that. We don't take it for granted and we're thankful for it. Lord, as we do open your word, we're thankful for the way you speak to us. We're thankful for the way your Holy Spirit um, does his work. As you um, work in this moment, Lord, as the word is shared and lands on our hearts, Lord, you're active and you're involved and you care about this moment. We're thankful for that. So, Lord, we pray that you'd be with us in these next few minutes as we hear, not from me, God forbid, but, Lord, ultimately we hear from you. That's what we're here to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. In this series, we're taking a whole month to unpack a single parable of Jesus. Parables are stories that teach, and Jesus teaches us a lot in this one. In this story, we're discovering or being reminded of two things, at least. One, how deeply Jesus understands our human souls. And two, that we have significant work to do with Him in our souls if we're going to live and flourish and grow as He would love for us to. So, let's dive back in to this parable of the sower. It's told in three of the four Gospels, and so you'll see it up here on the screen as we move through. It says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, He told this parable. Listen, He said. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Now the picture here is of a farmer broadcasting by hand a quantity of seed. Wherever he goes, he's broadcasting this seed. The rest of the parable then paints the picture of this seed landing on soil in four different conditions. Now we heard what he had to say about the first soil last Sunday. He described the second soil like this. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, most of the time, Jesus told parables and then he just kind of left them there for his listeners to absorb and consider. But this time, he goes on to explain the parable, and I'm so glad he did. So now let's listen to him explain what he means as he describes this second soil. Listen to what the parable of the sower means, Jesus said. 
The seed is the word of God. Now we covered this last week, but we're going to talk about it every week because it's just that important. The seed is the word of God. Let's remind ourselves that Jesus says that this seed, which is in a way uh, the main point of the parable, what happens to the seed, right? We want to see what happens to this seed as it lands. What's its fate? What's its, will it come to fruition? Will it grow? Jesus says that the seed is the good truth and word of God. And we know that God is sharing, planting, casting His words to us all the time. He has good things to say to us. Good truth to teach us. Realities to remind us of. I'm never not in need of God's Word. Amen? So He's always wanting to share good words with me. I always need those Words. Words that remind me that I'm loved or forgiven. Words that remind me I'm empowered and gifted and called and guided and cherished and never forgotten. Words of wisdom to instruct us and equip us. Words of care and compassion to comfort us. We need all those words of God. The seed is the Word of God. And that word is landing on our souls even right now. This parable is in play, even in this very moment. And Jesus explains that each soil represents different conditions of our human hearts, our souls, in receiving that truth. And today we hear him teach us about our souls when they are like the rock-filled soil. Last week we talked about... uh, Soil along the path, trampled underfoot, seeds snatched away by birds. Today we're going to hear about our souls when they resemble rock-filled patches of earth. Now, let's, uh, let's, let Jesus, let's hear these words again. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. Remind ourselves of how he put it in the parable. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Now we're taking a good long look at this because it isn't just a nice and clever story. We believe he's talking about us and giving us real and deep insight into how our human souls work. So let's talk about rocky places and the rocky ground within the topography of our souls. Sometimes our soul is rocky because of traumas we've endured. We toughened up in order to survive, and our tolerance to pain left us numb as a stone to love or to joy. The Word of God can tend to bounce right off of us at times or not grow much at all. Sometimes we're hardened to the good truth of God because we've just believed too many lies about God or about ourselves or about life and how it works or is supposed to work. Sometimes the soil of my soul is filled and laden with heavy stones of my own placing. The priorities and the pursuits that I feel are important but take up a lot of room, displacing so much good ground. Places where God's Word could grow and take root, but instead doesn't find a lot of space in my own soul. The rocks in the soil of our souls are anything 
that keeps us shallow. That's what Jesus is talking about here, shallow soil. Hard places form in our hearts and our lives, it's true of us all. And the landscape can get pretty rocky. Then we find ourselves unable to go deep, stunted, and staying shallow. So, if that's the case, there's something to be said then for unburying those rocks, exposing and removing them, that there's a certain amount of excavation that goes along with discipleship to Jesus. The groundwork that we do can be identifying, exposing and excavating those rocks in our souls that are keeping us shallow to God's Word. Healing the traumas and coping, the way we cope and the addictions that can come from that. We need healing. That's one way we excavate such stones. Dispelling the lies and the fear that are just so constantly coming at us. Engaging, perhaps, in some prayerful self-examination regarding our own priorities. These rocks take up a lot of soil. They displace it. And then nothing much ends up growing there for long. That's what happens when the seed lands on such places. Jesus says it springs up quickly. People receive the word with joy when they first hear it. And this makes sense, right? I mean, these are good words. When we hear the good news of Jesus, when we hear his truth, something in us says, man, I need that. That's good news. I receive that. I affirm that. It's true. That's, and it's good. I want that, or at least I want to want that, right? Amidst the rockiness of our living, this good word is a comfort and a joy. It just is. It's good. But then our soil, our soul, is, can be so hardened by trauma, by our own choices, and the rocks are too many and so large, so without a change, the seed just doesn't make it. It won't last long. And maybe what I'm describing right there feels very familiar to you right now. Maybe as I say that, you realize something in you is getting a little uncomfortable, a little sick to your stomach, a little heartbroken. You're feeling it in your chest. You're feeling it in your gut. Man, that's me. I've just had so much happen. I feel like I've kept God at arm's length. I've I've made some choices or I've, I've placed some things in my life that I thought were important and, and big, but man, they've crowded out the room for anything good like this to grow. My faith is suffering. My spirituality is suffering. My mental and emotional health are following right along. They're suffering too. Maybe you can feel that. Jesus says, since they have no root, they last only a short time. This is the diagnosis. It's the lack of root that ends up becoming the problem. The soil is shallow, but then the result is a lack of rootedness. Again, let's see together how Jesus put it in the parable. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. So, since they have no root, because the soil was shallow. Clearly, this is a state we can all find ourselves in. And just as clearly, it's one we must seriously do the groundwork to avoid, shallow and without root. And yes, there is something we can do about this. That's the beauty of what we're learning here. Jesus is not describing something that we're sentenced to. You know what? Some people are just like this. Others are just like that soil over there. And there's just nothing you can do about it. No. 
When we say yes to Jesus, we are signing up for a life that is intended to become fruitful and growing and healthy. And Jesus is warning us that at any, at any point, not just at that very first, that beginning moment when we first hear the gospel, when we want to say yes to Jesus and get baptized, repent, and, 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 and make him our Lord and Savior, as pivotal and, and important as powerful and just wonderful as that moment is, these moments keep coming. The seed keeps getting sown. It keeps landing on, my, on, on the soil of my soul. And this parable causes me to ask myself, what's the condition of my soul today? How's the seed landing? And am I continuing to bear a crop here in my life of, of the kinds of virtues and joys that I know Jesus wants for me? So there is something we can do about this. He is simply, matter-of-factly, pulling back the curtain of what happens in us. He's using this word picture to show us what truly does happen in our souls, how it works. And in doing so, he's showing us what we can do. Any good gardener knows that they can remove rocks so the seed can grow and flourish. And no good gardener would ignore those rocks once they've been discovered. It's just another way to, way to frame or describe discipleship to Jesus. As we live with him, we will, uh, and as we learn from him, as we let him heal us, we will find that we are unearthing and excavating and removing stones, the gravel and the boulders, all the stuff that gets in the way and keeps us shallow in our souls for so long. Here's how pastor and author Rich Velotis puts it in his book, The Deeply Formed Life. Whether we know it or not, see it or not, understand it or not, we are always at risk of being shallowly formed. We are formed by our false selves. That's the self that we think we need to project to the world to, to navigate life. That false self gets formed even in childhood to figure out how we please our parents or avoid conflict or all kinds of other things. We're formed by our false selves, our families of origin, <clears throat> pardon me, the highly manipulated presentations of social media, he says, and the value system of the world. So we need to be regularly called back to, he says, ongoing transformation. That is Christ being formed in us. Christ being formed in us. Friends, that is our prayer. That is our goal. That is our passion. That is our purpose, without a doubt. This world, life, and all of its difficulties are constantly dropping into our souls huge rocks at times, keeping us shallow. But the Jesus way is one in which our souls become like rich soil where His good Word can grow and put down deep roots. So let's talk about how do we put down roots. I found no other practice more effective than plowing our lives into the church, finding a healthy community of people, Jesus followers, who are learning and growing and serving together. This is exactly the way roots get formed. I've never met a well-rooted Christian who bypassed this. Not ever. Open hearts in supportive community with others. Open Bibles learning together. Open hands serving and giving generously and sharing together. That's the way roots get formed. To stay shallow, go it alone. 
keep the church at arm's length, and Jesus as well. To go deep, go together, and embrace all that God has for you. Because, man, it is so good. What we're talking about here, when we think about that seed finding some real fertile soil and taking root and growing, we're, we're painting the description of a life that's simply thriving in Jesus. Not a life free of difficulty, but a life that perseveres through that difficulty. Not a life free from, uh, you know, conflict or misunderstanding or even tragedy. Not at all. But a life that can still stand tall and, and fruitful through such tragedies. That's what we're talking about. It's so good. Rich Velotis was right when he says we are always at risk of being shallowly formed. We always have the opportunity to be deeply formed if we choose it. I mean, we've got to take the time to be formed. Let's think about what we learned last week real quick. Just a quick rewind here. Think about the soil along the path, right? It had no chance to grow at all because it's trampled under the busied, hurried traffic of this world and our lives. Plucked up by so many birds, so many conflicting messages and philosophies and noise. When our hearts are like that, the seed doesn't stand a chance. Today, we see ourselves in the soil that's shallow with no room for roots. We instead can choose to take the time and to be patiently, deeply, spiritually formed. The state of the soul can get rocky. And then the result is to be rootless and then fruitless. But we don't have to be that way. Jesus says, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, when trouble or persecution comes, they fall away. Once more, then let's keep the original parable in front of us too. Pair these up. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Again, you can keep seeing the theme that it's the roots that make the difference. When the sun came up, in the time of testing, we've all been there. And I don't just mean theoretically, right? We just lived this. The time of testing and trouble that was 2020 withered many souls. Our own church, like most churches, has seen a significant drop-off in who we get to see on Sunday mornings. And so far, whatever we do to reach back out isn't connecting with many rocky times and places, for sure. And we all understand and can relate. So hear me when I say this. If you felt your faith fall away, begin to wither in recent years, you are far from alone. But please let the wisdom of this parable shed some light on your life. There's some groundwork that we all can do. And it is not too late for that seed to find roots and thrive. Jesus is always, he, he is the farmer always casting the seed. It's an act of grace that he is always ready to see new seed land on our hearts and that we can be on our way to a new crop, a new harvest, even starting right now. That's the beauty of life in Jesus. Now, in this condition that we're reading about today, there's not much, if any, fruit. Not much growth, not much flourishing. All of which are things God wants for you and for me. And something in you may know, that's a pretty good description of me right now. I've kept things a little bit shallow. There's a lot that's going on. There's a lot that I'm finding myself 
And, and I've got a pretty thin amount of soil in my life. In my, so my soul's worn pretty thin. Not a lot of chance for things to take root. And I'm feeling it. I'm really feeling it. The fruit, the growth, the sweetness in my life that I need never seems to bloom. I get hopeful and it might start. And then the sun comes up. And things start to wither. It springs up here. It springs up there. A little bit never lasts. Friend, we feel you in that. We're all in that together, and we're here for you, and God is too. Remember, it's not the, another beauty of Jesus' word picture here. It's not if but when the time of testing comes, because you know what? The sun comes up reliably. We get that heat, midday heat reliably. In the time of testing, when the sun rises, the sun coming up is a normal thing. You can count on it. And we can count on the fact that things in our lives will get difficult and the heat will be on. And the question will be, what kind of roots do we have? Jesus says that, true to life, when the saplings from the seed find themselves in shallow soil, they wither in the rocks. With little root to sustain them, there's little chance for growth. This causes me to ask myself, when life hits the rocks... Do I wither? Roots I'm seeing here seem to make all the difference. And if I'm making room for those roots or not, roots are the answer to the question. So our takeaway here this morning is to go deep into life in God, not just consuming it, not just keeping it on the surface, not just clicking like or bookmarking and saving for later, right? Perhaps if we're honest, we've stayed shallow. And we've not really put down roots. Today we can say, no more to that. It's not really working out for me. And I'm tired of the treadmill. Of things kind of popping up. Little hope here, little hope there. Maybe that'll grow into something in my life. Little joy, little love. Then nothing. If our roots are planted in Jesus, we'll persevere through the suffering of life. It will actually make us stronger. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul writes, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Think of how good growth is. What we're talking about here is a life that we all, if we understood what Jesus was saying, it's a life we all would want. The harvest that we're talking about here is one we all are ultimately aiming for. The writer of Hebrews says, Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't grow weary and, what? Give up. I know many of us are weary. Life is wearisome. We're worn thin. Don't give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the writer of Hebrews 12 says. The rocky soil is those of us who receive the message, but when the going gets tough, we let it go. And the one thing that would help us ends up being the thing we dismiss. And that's a tragedy. Jesus says they withered. They fall away. This is our final word this morning, and it's one to ring in our ears. After the initial excitement, many people walk away from God. When their marriage begins to struggle, when their children rebel, when the doctor delivers bad news, or even just when they simply have a disagreement with another Christian. Sometimes if we stop and think about it, the heavy rocks in our souls are the expectations we hold that life in Christ is supposed to be smooth and rosy. We can get rid of those rocks right away. We must remove the rocks in our hearts that take up the space in our hearts 
where roots should go. If our hearts are anchored to anything other than, if our roots are anchored to anything other than Jesus, our spouse, our health, our finances, our youthfulness, you name it, we will likely doubt God's love when the rocky soil inevitably begins to crumble. We realize we've placed our roots in something shallow. It's not going to last. Withering and falling away must be something that gets our attention. The writer of Hebrews, again, in chapter 2, said, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. This sounds like a clear parallel to me to what Jesus is warning us about. Here he's talking about um, people who fall away in times of trouble. People who aren't paying careful attention, aren't putting down the roots that they need, and they are in danger of, Jesus says, the writer of Hebrews says, drifting away. Friends, I hope you know just how earnestly we want all of us to thrive and flourish in our faith, not seeing it wither or die. That's my prayer and hope for all of us as your pastor, and that is certainly why we all exist as a faith community, is to support each other in exactly that. I hope you see how essential it is that we pay attention to the condition of our soil, our soul, so that we don't drift away. Digging up rocks, putting down roots, means looking hard at our hard places, what's, on, what's sometimes under the surface even. That's one reason why we talk so much about mental and emotional health and well-being here. The seed is good and ready to be planted afresh in our hearts today. Will we do the groundwork needed for it to grow? As we grab the bread and the cup, perhaps you got one as you walked in. I'd invite you to take it in your hands now. Each week as we wrap up uh, our sermons on this parable, we're going to let Jesus remind us again of something he said as after, right after he told the parable. When he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear, he said. If you have ears, use them, was, would be another way to say it. In other words, if you're hearing what I just said, really hearing it, then put it into practice. Pay close attention, as the writer of Hebrews just told us. Apply it. Let it sink in. And so when we take the bread and the cup each week, especially as we do this at the end of our time in God's Word, we are pausing to stop everything else and to say, I am taking this Word in, in a very literal, symbolic way. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to make it part of me. I'm going to chew on it. I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to digest it this good word that you've given me. Jesus says that when we take the bread and the cup, we're remembering him. That's exactly what we should do and never forget him. So let's take the bread first together. Jesus said it represented his body given for us. And he said that when we take the cup, it represents a new promise from God, a promise sealed by his blood, a promise of grace and forgiveness of new life of salvation. And so as we take the cup each week, we're thanking him for that. We're remembering that and we're, we're acknowledging our need for that. Let's receive it as well together. Let's pray. Jesus, we have ears. Help us to use them. Ears in our, the ears of our hearts and souls in a way. Um, the soil that we want to receive your word through uh, uh, comes through the hearing of your word. And, and, and so we just did that, Lord. This parable was just, it just happened in this room just now. 
your word went out and landed on us, Lord. So help us when we see that we've got some rocks in our hearts that are hardening us, um, keeping us shallow, keeping you at a, at a distance. Lord, help us to just by your Holy Spirit recognize that and see that. Lord, you do the heavy lifting. We just need to cooperate. We need to put ourselves in front of you. And so, Lord, do exactly that in us. Do the heavy lifting of removing these rocks that we might thrive in you. That's who we want to be, Lord. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your grace. We thank you for it. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen.